DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer is available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net. To schedule a demo today. And David Locke's weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. Is PK with you? Yeah. PK, I'm impressed because you know what they say. What? If you're going to soar with the Eagles, or you're going to soar with the, I don't know what they say. Something about <laughs> soaring with somebody, you got to hoot the next morning or something. If you're going to hoot with the Owls, you got to soar with the Eagles, or I don't know. Because, I mean, I know you last night. Crazy. <laughs> Yuck, will you make that a drop? Because that was awesome. Uh, he and I know what that was about. He texted me. We had a funny text in yesterday. Yeah. That's what that was all about. What is it? What is the phrase? I thought I had it right. Dyslexia never kills. It just really confuses. What, what, what is that? You're going to soar with the... The Soaring Eagle is Juan Diego's nickname. I know that. <laughs> Don't change allegiances like down there in Draper. We know about your allegiances. Well, does the owl hoot in the morning? I don't know, but I, t- I toot in the morning. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I didn't... You know, why? Why? You... Well, you walked him right <laughs> up to it. I mean, Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan here? You walked him anywhere close to that. Jumped over all sorts of things to get there. That was not a logical next thing at all. You can't soar with the eagles if you're hanging with the turkeys. No, that is not it. All right, fine. And I'm in the wrong market for which somebody to get this phrase. I went helicopter skiing with it, it up in Canada in Mike Wigley's helicopter skiing, and they have, and it's quite a party. Nice plug. And then it's quite an unbelievable skiing, and there's a big, huge like sign that's wood carved out like it's been there for you know 50 years or something and it has this phrase and it's basically you know if you're going to be partying all night you got to be able to wake up early in the morning well i did i know you're amazing gosh (laughs) last night was insane wasn't it oh man i can barely remember it (laughs) yeah right because it ended at 9 30 okay hey 50 year olds pretending they're funny (laughs) tune in every morning six to ten are you ready for a serious question? The fact that I get to call an NBA game in like four days? When will you get to call an NBA game that involves Rudy Gay, since he is now expected to miss the first part of the season? And was he hmm. expected to miss the first part of the season when the Jazz signed him, or is that a more recent development because things aren't going well, or this was always the timeline, but we were busy watching football and nobody said anything and... Yeah, you know, people didn't know. And- yeah, so that's like information that's not out there, which is whether when when he had the heel surgery. So, um, and that's really the key piece of information you need to have, right? Because so whatever the date is by which he had heel surgery is the last time he was active. Um, he's you know probably been riding the bike and doing those kind of things, but the last time he had any type of running or anything of that was probably the day before the heel surgery, and it's not clear when that's that's not reported or that's not out there right now in any way, shape, or form. So. Um, I don't, you know, my easy guess, if I have to put, like, if you, if you want me to like guess is I, if I could take the wide ranging month of November, that seems to be like a pretty good guess. 
um, in that, you know, he's not playing. They, I think they've kind of said he's not starting. Did they said he's not starting the season or just not playing training they camp? They said I, uh, I, early in the season that he's due back. Okay, so early in the season. So if he's not starting the season the way they're, you know, the way that schedule is, and they're never home, it's going to be pretty hard for him to get in before November. So that's and then there's a long homestand in November where it seems like that's the right time. Now his body's got to be playing along. So you know, I don't know if we're heading into November, December. I mean, the fact of the matter is we signed Rudy Gay to play in April, May, and June. So not a, um, not a massively important issue in that sense. Eric Pascal gets a chance to play with really good players for the first time in his career, and we can see what he can do. So that and that's a positive. Um, and I'm not actually. I don't know. I'm on an island on this. I've listened, read every article, listened to every podcast, read every national article, and all I ever hear about is, with us is, oh, we've got this new defensive versatility. Like, it's cute. It's a good line. It's, I guess, important. I'm not buying. Like, it's just, like, I just do not think it's nearly as important as everybody else does. But that's, you know, I've been wrong many times in my career, and maybe I'm wrong again. All right. I guess we'll have to see there. I was thinking about this the other day, thinking about when I was thinking about the Jazz. You know, we've seen some pretty good glimpses of Royce O'Neal be ex- extremely good. And so I'm wondering going forward, you know, how good can he be? He, he's still what I would consider a, a fairly young enough player to get better. But what do you think is there for him as far as getting even better than he is now to make even more of a contribution to the team? I think the next step would be whether you add, and I don't know that he actually has to do this to be valuable. I think um, I love the fact that someone like Royce works as hard as he does and tries to improve his skills every day. Um, I always think one of the bigger mistakes players in the NBA make from just a big picture standpoint is they get paid and they then feel like they have to do something more. And the fact is they got paid for doing exactly what they were doing. So frankly, we paid Royce O'Neal or we, the jazz paid Royce O'Neal a bunch of money so that he would defend the lead guy every single game. He has done that at a higher rate than any player in all of the NBA, but he hit open threes. He did that brilliantly. And that he would only take about five shots a game, which I actually think the third one is maybe as important as anything else in this roster. Cause there are too many, there are not enough possessions to go around for the way this roster is constructed. So if someone like Royce suddenly wants 10 shots, it's a real problem. Um, so, you know, part of me thinks what Royce is exactly is great. The next step for him, and he talked about this in our broadcasters meeting at content day is, you know, a little bit more ball handling and a little bit more creation for others. So can we suddenly run Royce off some pick and rolls? Royce plays drive and kick. Does that suddenly lead to a, a kick out three? It may be for somebody else. Um, as well as anyone else. But, you know, the other thing on him, just to his credit, he has become a terrific rim finisher, and he was not when he first came in the league. That's that's really what made him viable is that his, he learned how to finish at the rim, and he's, done a, he's strong and physical and learned how to do that. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know you're following the whole NBA. Have you seen any storylines, anything that impacts the Western race here early on that has made you raise an eyebrow? Maybe a team's a little better than you thought. Maybe somebody's got a problem that isn't on everybody else's radar because everybody else is watching college football. So there are three things I've seen so far. They're all kind of related to things I thought about when the year started. Um, So one is Dallas. So I really, really like Dallas. Um, there's a lot to like. Luke is ready to be an MVP. They can spread the floor. They can do all sorts of things. I just don't know about Jason Kidd. He's never won more than 41 games, I think, in his career as a head coach, maybe 44. He's had some really good teams. He's had dysfunction everywhere he's been. 
And then he comes out and announces that, like, Dwight Powell is starting. Kristaps Porzingis is going to play the four, and I don't want him to be, you know, worrying about the three and da 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 and shooting a lot of twos and doing all these kind of things. And, like, well, he's not actually very good at that. So, to me, like, that was a little alarming, like, that it was almost like Jason Kidd wants to be obstinate for the sake of being obstinate, which, okay, like, go for it. We'll see. Um, the second one is just watching Chauncey Billups camp in Portland. Cause I think they're a lot better than anyone realizes. And if they're good, it has massive ramifications on the Western conference. Cause it then means there are seven, if not eight good teams. And what that means is that everyone is now just avoiding the play in game for the entire first half of, for the first regular season. If you just think about like, if this thing's as balanced as we think, and the winner is going to win 54, 55 games, I think there's a chance that seven could be at 48 wins. That's just a very slim margin between being home court advantage at 51 and play in game at 47. And so, you know, if Mike Conley suddenly sitting every back to back and you have one other injury, like, are you suddenly just as good as we thought you were, but you're working toward the play in because the Clippers are much better than people think. And the Blazers are, and I do think Portland's way better than anyone thinks. So I've been watching that closely. And then I do think the wild card of the whole West is whether what Russell Westbrook's impact is going to be. And he did a whole press conference about how he's going to be on Anthony Davis all the time, and he's going to be driving him and making him play hard. And to Russ's credit, you can say all you want about Russ, and I'll talk about how he's the single least efficient player in the NBA, and he's the most negatively impactful offensive player. He makes his teammates play hard. He plays harder than anyone else in the entire league. And I don't know if Anthony Davis has that gear inside of him, and if Russ is riding him, like I think Anthony Davis is as liable to check out as he is to check in. But if he checks in, holy smoke. So um, I think that one's really interesting to watch. How do you think they'll approach the regular season? Because they got four guys who are at least 35 years of age, and then they got another three or four who are over 30. So I think this is the story. This goes back to the two teams I'm watching the most to start the year are Portland and the Clippers. To me, this is the story of the West. It's a little you know, maybe second tier, but so I'm watching Portland and the Clippers. And if they're good to start, then what I just talked about is real, that the playing game is going to be at 48 games, 48 wins, 47, 48. I think the Clippers are going to be, thir- I mean, excuse me, I think the Lakers at like the 62 game mark are going to be 34 or 32 and, you know, or 33 and 29. Like I think they're going to be hovering a little bit above 500 coasting through the year. And then the final 20 games are going to be like, Oh gosh, we got to go. Like, we got to go now. And if they slip as far as I just said, then they would actually have to go, like, 15-3. and three. I, I don't like their roster composition. Um, I don't quite get what they did. I'm not a Russell Westbrook fan. I just gave you the positives and negatives. He is the most negatively impactful offensive player in regards to efficiency in the league. Carmelo's an inefficient offensive player. Anthony Davis had a bad year last year. I think for them to be good, Anthony Davis has to have a Jokic-level year this year. I have them as the ninth best offensive team in all of the Western Conference and considerably below the good offensive teams, like considerably below. I have them as a 44-win offensive team, which means they have to be elite-level defensive team. They added Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan and Russell Westbrook, guys that are 30-plus to be elite defensive team. It doesn't jive to me. So we'll see. And I could be wrong because LeBron and Anthony Davis are that great. But then I hate to say this, but like LeBron's not LeBron anymore. Like he's really, really good, but he's 30, whatever years old. It's like, it's like, 
you know, like his running mate, Dwayne Wade, owns the Jazz, isn't playing with the Jazz. He lost a shooting. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, him looting a shooting contest with Gobert and Whiteside's fun, but not real. Um, but it's worth noting, right? Like, Carmelo's, like, on his last leg and barely a player anymore. Wade's retired. Like, LeBron, is, it's coming to an end at some point. He's not going to be the only player in the history of the league that doesn't age. So... I just don't – I think the Lakers – This I, I think the Clippers in Portland are the two teams that are the most important teams to watch early in the year because if they're good, the race to avoid the playing game is going to be, you know, astronomical. I guess the Warriors are the other one in there because I'm not sure I get the hype around the Warriors. So they're a non-playoff team that added two rookies who was – adding a piece that hasn't played in two years sometime in January, and that's the third highest win total according to that, like – I was just on betonline.ag today, and they like had, I think the Warriors is the third highest, like or fourth highest win total in the West. Like, really? I don't get it. So I guess the Warriors would be too, because if the Warriors slip out, then there's only seven teams. He's David Locke. He joins us every week right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Thank you, David. You know what's crazy? What? Well, lots in the world right now, but. Second most crazy thing what? is that when I talk to you on Friday next week, I, we will have called two games. And even more than crazy, we'll what? have talked two road games. Hmm. And then the week after that, and then the week after that, they're just going to pile up now. Well, you, yeah. Like, I'm not thinking about that. You're, you're <laughs> traveling? Are you back to traveling this year? Yes. Okay. All right. Isn't that great? Yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Pick enjoy, me up a t-shirt. Enjoy Texas. <laughs> Where do you need a T-shirt from, TK? I'm all over it. <laughs> Dallas, you Texas. You want that T-shirt that says, my friend went on a road trip with an NBA team and all I got was a scrappy T-shirt? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, I'll make sure we get one of those for you. <laughs> Thanks, David. All right. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the preseason opener Monday, and then he's got another game Wednesday right here on the Zone Sports Network.